everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Top 5 at 5 with your host, Johnny Quest. Today is Thursday, April 23rd. Here's what you missed while you were out getting that butcher meat. Well, New York has definitely been hit hardest with the vid. Not only has it hit the people that are infected, but of course the economy of the city is also really struggling. And lots of numbers have been thrown about in the past, but something new came out today. Quoting Reuters, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo said on Thursday a screening of 3,000 people found nearly 14% tested positive for antibodies for the novel coronavirus, suggesting that 2.7 million residents across the state may have been infected with the disease. Cuomo noted that the survey was preliminary and had limitations. He said the testing targeted people who were out shopping, meaning that they may be more likely to have been infected than people isolating at home. Still, Cuomo said the preliminary data added to the state's understanding of the virus and at least initially indicated a fatality rate of about 0.5% of confirmed cases, which is far lower than some experts feared, end quote. So there were a lot of asymptomatic infections and mild symptoms out here. At least hospitalizations are down again, 10th day in a row. So that's also some good news. Of course, Cuomo, while being pretty nonpartisan through most of this, including saying his meeting with Trump was productive this week, couldn't just let what Mitch McConnell said without a comment. See Mitch earlier this week, quote, suggested U.S. states could file for bankruptcy to deal with massive economic losses stemming from the outbreak. Cuomo, who has estimated New York is facing a 10 to $15 billion budget shortfall, called McConnell's suggestions one of the really dumb ideas of all time. You want to see that stock market fall through the cellar? Let New York state declare bankruptcy. Let Michigan declare bankruptcy. Let Illinois declare bankruptcy. Let California declare bankruptcy. You'll see a collapse of this national economy, Cuomo warned. So just don't. And yeah, what the heck you thinking, Mitch? Not to mention, not to mention, New York puts in more than $140 billion into the federal budget than it gets back. Meanwhile, Mitch's home state of Kentucky sucks out about $140 billion in federal grants and aid, having the fifth poorest residents in the nation. So maybe you can just suck it, Mitch. Last week, I think, I told you about a North Korean missile test, and we didn't really know what it was all about at the time. I mean, I don't have anything new on that front, but what was interesting about this is that we've come to find out that Kim Jong-un, well, he wasn't there. In fact, he hasn't been seen in over a week. See, he's got a couple of health issues. On top of being completely inactive and obese, he's also a heavy smoker. And so he went under the knife for a cardiovascular surgery a couple weeks back, and nobody really knows what happened. But we definitely haven't seen him. He also missed a celebration of his granddaddy's birthday. He'd been seen four days before that, but not since, and he's never missed that before. U.S. intelligence is closely monitoring the situation. Quoting CNN, a U.S. defense official said that the U.S. military assessment is that while they're examining reports regarding Kim's poor health, the evidence at this point does not suggest he's incapacitated. A South Korean source told CNN Monday that the country's top leaders are very much aware of reports about Kim's health status, but cannot independently verify details published by Daily NK. The source acknowledged that Kim's issues related to weight and smoking are well known, but made clear they're waiting for more information, end quote. Well, now's not exactly a good time for North Korean power struggle, so I guess 
I hope he's still alive, but maybe he had an awakening that Western medicine and society is a benefit to us all, and so he begins the start of their capitalistic communism, open elections, and an end to the dictatorship. A boy can dream. Okay, so with this story, I'm giving it to you more as a warning because I'm not sure how publicized it'll be when it actually occurs, and I don't want you guys to flip out. You see, our wise and fearless leader is really impressed by things like big guns and loud trucks like an eight-year-old, and he really loves the military. And so for some reason, he thinks seeing a military airplane show will cheer up Americans and lift our spirits. And so apparently, according to this story, the Pentagon is quote, planning to fly Blue Angels and the Thunderbirds over multiple U.S. cities next week to champion national unity and thank first responders. Because I'm sure they're all really looking forward to staring at the sky and watching Air Force planes above their city doing flyovers and loop-de-loops. Returning to the article here, the mission, named Operation America Strong, is meant to be a nonpartisan show of resolve, a senior military officer in the Pentagon told the Post. This is just a sincere thank you, he said. It's one way to acknowledge those who are pitching in. The Blue Angels and Thunderbirds will jointly fly over Washington, D.C., Baltimore, New York, Newark, and Trenton, New Jersey, Philadelphia, Atlanta, Dallas, and Houston, and Austin, Texas, the Post reported. The Blue Angels and Thunderbirds will also fly separately over several other cities. So, you know, I've seen the Blue Angels as a kid at an air show, and you cannot tell from the ground that those are Blue Angels and not regular military jets. Only once they start, like, doing tricks. And apparently, they're not really going to do them. Just fly in formation and stuff. And I mean, if I didn't tell you about this, wouldn't that just freak you the fuck out? Wouldn't you just run out of there? Like, I don't know. Well, there's your PSA. Man, it's like football story after football story over here. But I had to at least let you know that the NFL virtual draft is happening tonight. And this time, I'm coming at you with the tech angle of this story and how they're actually doing it all. Because they definitely could have just made it a giant WebEx conference and let everyone watch that and wonder what the heck is wrong with Roger Goodell's home internet. Why does Warren Sapp have such a blurry camera? But when it's ESPN and they know people are just starving for sports content, they're trying to step up that home experience. David Pierce from Protocol has the scoop. Over the last couple of weeks, more than 100 football coaches, general managers, players, and executives have received a similar package. Inside, two iPhones, two tripods, two microphones, a couple of lights, and a couple of Bose headsets, and a whole mess of cables. It is, hopefully, everything they'll need to set up two broadcast-quality camera feeds from their homes. Because when the NFL draft kicks off Thursday night, that's exactly what ESPN the league, and millions of fans are counting on. The draft is always slightly more complicated than your average sporting event because the show cuts from the stage to the crowd to someone's home to an analyst to a team's conference room and back to the stage. In a normal year, they'd be dealing with 13 fiber and satellite feeds from the main event, plus a number of TV feeds coming from camera crews. That's described as pretty small. But this one's on a different level. 
they're bringing in about 150 sources, whether it be coaches, team sites, individual prospects, commissioners, and they're coming in now over several different methods of transport. We've got fiber, we've got satellite, and we're using the cloud. It all requires three different vendors, including AWS, to keep running. On top of that, the team at ESPN managing the data has to do so from home over Citrix VPNs. It's still not easy, of course. ESPN and the NFL have been encouraging participants to upgrade their home broadband speeds, like it's that easy, to avoid the dreaded blurry blocky camera feed coming out of a newly minted pro's home. And there's a real risk in sending camera gear to someone's house and hoping they'll know how to use it. I feel like I have some experience in this department. The team included a tip sheet in the kit instructing users how to set up one camera and grab a wide shot of a room and another to be closer, more interview style, plus how to light and capture and send it all seamlessly. If it all goes to plan, here's how the draft will go when it starts at 5 p.m. Pacific. Commissioner Roger Goodell will run the show from his home with a satellite truck outside beaming everything to Bristol, Connecticut. That's where ESPN is located. Then there's remote feeds and production teams which are spread out around the campus to keep social distancing. To coordinate everything, the team is using tools like Unity Intercom, which is an electronic push-to-talk app, just in case everyone's set up to fire Skype and FaceTime too, because you just never know. This draft might feel less like a capital E event and more like an intimate gathering. And just in case you were wondering after all that, who's expected to go number one tonight? Well, most people have the quarterback from LSU, Joe Burrow, going to Cincinnati, while the other star quarterback, Tuau, from Alabama, he's expected to go to five or six. Tune in tonight on ESPN. Okay, this is a pretty awesome story making the rounds. For a medical manufacturing company, their employees really stepped up to the plate here for our frontline essential workers. See, at Brascom USA, they make the raw materials for N95 masks, hospital gowns, and sanitary wipes called polypropylene. Well, we need a lot of that stuff to make those supplies, so they created a new team called Resiliency Workers. And these teams were live-in teams. That's right. From CBS News, the Brascom employees who volunteered to live at work did so to protect others and hopefully prevent the spread of the virus to their families. The team of about 40 worked in 12-hour shifts. After 28 days on the job, these employees finally clocked out. There's been a glow in everyone's eyes, shift supervisor Joe Boyce said in an interview. We've almost been the lucky ones, I'll say, for the last 28 days because I haven't had to stand six feet away from somebody. I haven't had to put a mask on. Facilities in two states used resiliency workers who were provided with on-site kitchens and other supplies. These volunteers are also being rewarded with extra compensation, according to Brascom, end quote. So on this Friday Eve, we call Thursday, I raise my glass and I toast the resiliency teams of Brascom USA. Well done. Well, my beautiful people, those are my top five news stories of the day. Okay, I wanted to do something good in this section here real quick. So if you have the means and you have been looking for a place to donate, I highly suggest that you join me in donating to Direct Relief. This group provides personal protection equipment and essential medical items to health workers on the front line. Highly rated, working across multiple states. This is a good one, guys. Also, I wanted to give a shout out to my good friend Joaquin Alex Figueroa. He recently just released his children's book, Little Bear, Two Caves. 
It's directed at kids being raised in a split family environment. It's actually pretty awesome. And he's been getting some good publicity on it, doing a couple TV interviews and podcast interviews. So I just wanted to help push that out a bit more. You can find this book on Amazon if you have or know a young one that could benefit from this story. Little Bear, Two Caves. Well, that's all I got. As always, remember to stay focused, proud, and dedicated. I got you with the news.